Welcome back to episode number 33 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff, the NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, so keep the comments and questions coming. I got a couple really good ones in that came in, um, several from one person that I that I get messages from on a pretty frequent basis, so thanks for doing that. I really appreciate it. And um, a couple other things that are just floating out there that I think I want to talk about, right? So this is something that I've been kind of floating in the back of my mind, the things that I wanted to discuss and and just kind of bring to the forefront of what um, what my opinion is on on how our healthcare system is structured. And and uh, I know I've talked about the future of our healthcare insurance, but um, just in general, the model, the, the the way that we provide healthcare, and how I think it's going to change, and and um, how I think we're really really positioned well for that. Um, But first, I want to thank everybody. You guys are doing a great job. We're at 482, I don't know, 490, I don't know, somewhere in there on the the Facebook likes. So we're really close to the 500. I know we can do it. If you guys spread the word today, we'll hit it. We'll hit 500 before the weekend. It's Friday. So keep spreading the word. Keep sharing the Facebook page. I did fix, and I I don't think I mentioned it yesterday, but um, I know on iTunes, there's a setting in my WordPress, and I'm still learning this thing, so it's, you know, I apologize. I didn't realize that it was limited to only 10 episodes, because I don't do iTunes, so you guys got to let me know these things, and somebody did. They said, hey, dude, you got uh, only 10 of those episodes showing up. You might want to go fix that, and I did. I went back, and I figured out, and I did some nice YouTube videos on how to fix it, got it done, and so you should be able to see all of the episodes on iTunes now. If you guys have problems, like, man, that just doesn't seem like Jeff is doing something right, I need to know because I can't always see what you guys see on the other end. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing it the way I think it needs to be done, and uh, I'm getting feedback, uh, at least in a positive way. Still nobody telling me I suck. I'm seriously, I want someone to do it. It's a joke. I just want to hear all caps, Jeff, you suck. Mom or dad, if you're listening, put it on my Facebook page. <laughs> Tell me I suck. I want somebody to do it. Everybody's too darn nice. Um... So what I wanted to talk about today was, um, and I'll do one of the, the, the ideas that, that came into me from someone else, but the, the main thing I wanted to talk about was, what's this, the, the model of healthcare, and why, how did we get here in this, in this system, and, uh, and, and why does it matter, I guess, right? And, and so we, we basically follow, and you've heard me say, if you've listened long enough, that we, you know, we're in this, stuck in this medical model, and... Um, in a little history lesson, and I'm, I'm I'm driving, so I'm not looking this stuff up exactly. So you guys correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm if I'm significantly wrong, then tell me. But if the intent is there, then I'm I'm okay with that, right? So the intent of my arg- my discussion is, we turned to a medical model back during the industrial age, okay? And and it was the late industrial age. So it was like the, it was the 1920s, 1930s, early 1900s, right? It wasn't the 1880s. Back 150 years ago, if you got sick, which obviously medicine and procedures and imaging and all the diagnostics weren't there, so I, I, I get that. But the system was that you you know send somebody to run to, to the doctor's office in town or their house, and they came to you with a bag and a bunch of stuff and some medicines and, and things, and preparations of herbals that they did themselves, right? So that's how that kind of got started. Then, then, and, and that's how it had been for years and years and years. And for the most care, healthcare was done. Or for the for most point, healthcare was done by the nurses. The 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 family member that was the most caring, and usually defaulted to the motherly figure, would would be the nurse of the family, who would keep the 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 uh, salves and ointments and things and make preparations with with. Uh, 
with uh, plants that they found in their yard, you know, plantain for stings and itchies and, and comfrey for, you know, sore joints and achy bones and stuff. You know, I mean, they would, they would go out and dig these things up and dry them and prepare them and make, make them into salves and stuff. So a lot of it was done at the home. So we took care of ourselves. Now, they, historians want to tell you that, you know, you only lived, you know, up until modern medicine. The, the mean age of life was in the 40s or 50s. And that's true, but that's a statistical, like, play. And what they did is they took into account everybody, including all of the stillbirths and the, the um, births uh, the children lost during childbirth which was a much, 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 much higher rate than it is now, right? I mean, it's, if somebody dies at birth, it's, it's an uncommon event. It was pretty common back then. And so when you had this skewed left result, right? Or a skewed right. No, skewed left, right? Age-wise. That, that it would, it would uh, misrepresent the, the average age. So if you've got a bunch of people dying at zero, it's going to pull your mean to the left. So you're going to skew left. Statistics, right? Statistics are great. You can make anything you want out of statistics, <laughs> statistics right? Um, we had a joke in engineering school about, um, you know, finding the center of mass, which was a really hard equation of weird shapes, okay? So it was a lot of derivations and a lot of integrals and just a lot of hard calculus and stuff like that. So basically, one of the things we used to say was, well, we'll just assume that, you know, the, the horse is the shape of a sphere so we can find its center of mass just because it was such a pain in the butt and it really didn't matter. Here are the cases we, we're, we're kind of manipulating the data to show that the mean age was significantly young. And it's, that's what it kind of reminds me of. Now, if you take out those births that's, that, that didn't happen, though, the deaths at birth, the average age was like pretty darn close to what we are now. I mean, it was like in the 60s and 70s. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the 40s and 50s. So people still lived a long and healthy life. It was if they got kicked by the mule in the head or they, you know, fell off the girder when they were building this giant skyscraper and they didn't have the safety precautions or they, you know, um, worked in the coal mine until their lungs bled. You know, those are the things that, you know, brought them down. But if you lived a relative, you know, if you were a farmer and you just worked outside every day with your animals and, you know, you lived a nice, healthy, long life. So I, I, I have, I have issue with the idea that we needed this medical model to propagate the, the mean age of our society. Now we have, we've done that, but I looked in the ICU and I saw a lot of people making it a lot longer than they should have on ventilators and being punished with CPR uh, when it was pretty obvious that there was no good outcome. But their death age was, you know, 89. And they lived for another couple months. Well, that could skew it right. So, I guess just some perspective to say, well, the medical model is the savior of all of us, and we've gone from 40, we've added 30 years to our life because of the medical model, and I think that we have in OBGYN, and in very specific instances, but I'm not so sh sure that those numbers are true and accurate when you hear that argument by, um, by the medical profession. That without us, you would, you know, you'd still be living in the dark ages. I don't necessarily agree with that. We would have found a way. We're smart people, right? Especially nurses. We would have found a way. Anyways, so back in the, in the early 1900s, the um, 
the, when jamming p- huge numbers of people in cities and typhoid and and uh, GI you know bugs that just went rampant through people and influenza and 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 so you had all these huge number of people getting ill that were that were basically po- uh, poor people so they didn't know what to do with them and the churches at that time were the ones that typically took in the sick and downtrodden so they they were the ones that were stuck with all these these sick people and didn't know what to do with them so they decided to work with some local physicians and i think it was in new york city was the one of the first you know public hospitals and they created this hospital system and they did it by asking the physicians to do to help with that and so when you worked in a hospital back in the early early 1900s you were basically charity you didn't make any money. You were volunteering, or you were making very minimal amount of money. And and if you were a uh, person that lived back then, if you had to go to the hospital, it meant you were going there to die. And you didn't have any money. You had absolutely nowhere else to go. You were still being seen. The rich and wealthy, or even the average people, if they could, they would still send you know little Johnny to run down the street to you know Doctor Bob's house and have him bring his little medical bag to their house. And that's what they did all the way up until like the 40s and 50s. You see more prevalence of the hospital starting to spread out. Then they went to profit. And then these physicians started to realize, and I'm not bashing physicians because my brothers are doctors and I think they do a fantastic job. And they do it for the right reasons. So I'm cool with this. But at that point in time, they started getting to the point where the physicians weren't doing the house calls. And instead, instead of working their butt off making no money, they're like, "I I could have... 100 people in one spot, I could just bang through them all. So it was an efficiency thing. It was the Henry Ford model. And that's this is my opinion, my take on it. So it's, you know, the, the assembly line approach. They, they used the, the, the Industrial Revolution theories in medicine to get people seen faster and take care of them better. But that, And I think that was the spawn of, you know, the physicians having the ability to... to um, to work in the hospital settings more and uh, not doing the house calls and doing it. And I'm not saying they need to do house calls. I'm just saying that that's, that's how it happened, I think. So if somebody has a different take on how the medical model was created, let me know. But that's, that's kind of how I take it, and that's kind of how it feels to me. Um, and and I have, I've read about it in nursing school, and it, it mirrors that philosophy. And, and, you know, I might have dates a little wrong or, you know, whatnot, but it, that is essentially how it happened. So how do we get from the 1940s and 50s to where we are today? The government. Government. The government got involved. The government that said, you know what, we, we have huge, we, have, we finally have physicians that are making good money. They're, they're lobbying to the Congress and Senate and all these different political agencies. And you know what they did? They got grant money to build hospitals to be, you know, to, to um, take care of sick people. And that's a good, valuable thing. And, and that looks good for politicians because they're taking care of their communities. And that's, that's true to some extent. But when they do that, there's always, always, always a catch. If you get the government to do something for you, there's always something you have to do back for them. And so as such, I'm pretty darn sure, and these are all backdoor deals. This is just my feeling. The, the, the medical association, the AMA and others of the like, uh, lobbied to get legislation in place that made it, uh, made it easier to get to Social Security and... Uh, eventually to Medicare and Medicaid and and stack the deck, so to speak, so that they were the authority in the healthcare industry. And that's a complete reversal from what it was 50 years before that or 100 years before that. 
it was the nurses, the midwives, the you know the people at home that did the majority of it. And they would call the physician to come with, you know, I don't have that special tonic for diphtheria or whatever, and you know, Doctor Bob does down the street. So Doctor Bob's got to come, and he does a quick look and he does a quick thing, and then he's out the door. And the rest of the time, it's the the people at home that took care of the sick people. I'm not saying we go back to that. I don't think we can. It would be great to say we could with modern medicine today and take care of our, ourselves, but let's be realistic. That's not going to happen. So I think that's where the medical model, medical model came from, but where do we go from here? Well, thanks to the government um, and the, the, the progression of where we're going now, the way the medical model was back in the 80s and 90s and all the way up through even the, the 2000s, was that they got basically fee-for-service. You do something, you get paid. You do something, you get paid. You do something, you get paid. It doesn't matter what, you know, as long as you do it, document it, and you turn it in properly to the insurance or Medicare Medicaid, you're going to get paid. You might get a percentage of it, but you, you're going to get paid. And then ain't going to be that way no more. It's already changing. Every day, it's changing. One step closer. It's going to be all quality-based outcomes. And that's going to throw the old-timer philosophy of I'm the physician, you listen to me, you do what I say, you will get better, and they blame the patient for not getting better when they don't get better, but maybe it was their treatment plan in the beginning. And and uh, you know, even if they are doing the standard of care, it's just it's questionable. So the problem is gonna be for all of us is that if we don't get on board with quality measures, we're gonna be left in the dust and you're gonna struggle no matter where you go in this in this healthcare system, so start getting used to the idea of my my plan has to work. It has to work in some measurable way, and uh, a lot of it's going to be documentation because a lot of it, you know, you get better. You don't necessarily. I mean, you you say improved, right? You don't necessarily go anywhere else with that. But the problem is, is that if you don't document exactly how they improve, then you may not get reimbursed as much. And that's not there yet, but it's getting there. There's the you know quality measures and core measures and stuff like that that are out there. And, you know, hypertension and smoking and obesity and all those. And yes, you should be doing those things, um, but they take a lot longer than you're ever going to get reimbursed for. You're never going to be made whole for it. So it's hard to do. It really is. So finding a smooth way to get it integrated into your typical assessment, typical plan, um, and making it conveyable to the patient is going to be hugely important. And the sooner you start doing it, the, the better you're going to get. And when the core measures really start to matter, you'll be better at it than the competition. And if you're better at it than the competition, guess what? You're going to stick around and they won't. So if you want your doors to stay open and take care of the people that you, that you really care about out there, uh, you need to start doing this stuff. So start taking it to heart, start doing it, start putting it into your plan now. And that's, that's where I think we're going. And, and, um, and again, don't don't take me as bashing physicians. I don't think that's the way. I mean, if, if the nurses had the opportunity to do what physicians did back in the 20s, I'm pretty sure they would have done the same thing. I just it, it's I, I think when you give the ability for someone to have power, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I think that you get to that point where, no matter what you are presented with, no matter how good of a human being you are, when you're presented with the opportunity to have power. It's too. It's just too much. It's too enticing. It's too easy to say. You know what? Let's just keep going and get, see how much more we can get. And I think that model is deteriorating before our eyes. At least in the family practice setting, it really is. Now, specialties again. I think they're they're safe for a while. They're not going anywhere. You know, family practice where the gatekeepers. Um, 
you know, we, we funnel things to the right people. Now, here's the kicker there. If you are a physician in a specialty and you don't like the idea of a nurse practitioner being a primary care practitioner uh, and having to deal with them, then you're going to struggle because you're seeing less and less physicians doing it. You're seeing an exponential increase in nurse practitioners and PAs doing it, mostly nurse practitioners. So get on board. Like the Great Space Coaster. Remember that, guys? You can tell how old I am. The Great Space Coaster. It was a great show, right? I think somebody was smoking pot when they made that show for kids. It's like the Muppets. They were, like, smoking pot, too. Was Jim Henson high? I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. Anyways, so um, that kind of leads into one of the questions that came up, and it was... Um, it was, a, it was an interesting question. I've never really had to deal with it, though. So I, this is one I'm going to defer to you guys. And I want to hear your issues of have you had to deal with and how did you handle passive-aggressive physicians? And I'm going to expand that outside of that and say passive-aggressive anybody in the healthcare world. Because that's really the only... I've seen a couple people that are passive-aggressive about nurse practitioners, but they weren't physicians. And I think here's why. For me, I'm, number one, I'm a guy. So th there's less tendency for a male to you know flex those muscles to me um, just because you know I'm a pretty open person. I'm a pretty you know I'm a, I, I try to be nice to everybody. And if you're if you're being that way to somebody that's just trying to be nice, um, you know it, it just doesn't seem to work. And and I haven't had had um, it, it makes you look like a schmuck is what it does. And then as being a guy, it just it, it doesn't really happen. I don't really have too many physicians doing it to me. Now I have had one female physician when I was an RN that was really kind of a schmuck to me. Um, and I and here's how I handled it. I had a urology. Um, Specialist, right? Come in. I had a, a guy go crazy in the ICU. He went through psychosis, right? ICU delirium, which was what my research was on in in my master's program. And um, because I, this this left such a mark on my on my psyche, this guy went crazy. I was like just in there. I just made him comfortable, but he was a real bad belly surgery. But he was pretty stable, hemodynamically stable. Everything else was fine. He was just pain control. And. Uh, his wife, I just tucked him in, got him checked out, gave him some pain meds, everything was fine. Uh, his wife goes and knocks on the door and screams. We go in the room, it looked like a bloodbath. He like pulled out his foley, he you know was pulled all his lines out, he was bleeding all over the floor, he was buck naked, handprints all over the head of the bed. I don't even know how he got up there, but man, it was it was disturbing, right? So um, so this guy went com completely nuts. I see psychosis, like full blown, like instantly. I was like, I didn't recognize any of the signs or symptoms. I was doing cam scores on him, nothing, right? And uh, so I had to consult urology because he was bleeding. And we were doing a bladder irrigation and all that stuff. And so she had to come on her day off. It was a Saturday or something. And she was just so pissed that I interrupted her day to come into the hospital to check out this patient who really needed it. It wasn't like this was, you know, uh, I couldn't get the Foley in and, uh, you know, I, she pops it in, in in four seconds. This was a, this guy's actively bleeding and <laughs> we, we need to make sure he's okay, you know? And um, so she was just mad at me and, and she wasn't really mad at me, but she was mad at the situation. And um, she was obviously pissed. She was taking it out on me in a passive aggressive way. And so I just said, I, I kind of just looked at her and I smiled and I said, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. And what can I do to make it better? And she smiled at me and said, I'm sorry. Okay, so the best way to confront is to confront it right on. Don't let it be a problem. 
Because if you let it be a problem, it'll become a habit. If a habit's there, it's too hard to break. So if you've got a passive-aggressive person or a passive-aggressive, you know, a physician in particular that's doing that to you, you shut it down. And you shut it down now. And if, and, and if they're passive-aggressive about a specific thing, then, um, I mean, if it's your collaborative and you don't, you're worried about losing your collaboration, then maybe you need to tone it back a little. I mean, let's be, let's be political about it. Don't just be a schmuck to be a schmuck. But if somebody's obviously doing it and there's a third party in the room, I would not probably say anything to them because I don't want to embarrass that person in front of someone else. Okay? I would wait till we're behind closed doors and say, look, I will not be disrespected by you. Your passive-aggressive crap needs to end, and we need to find out why you're being passive-aggressive. What's the purpose of this? Is it because you had a bad golf game yesterday, or is it because you got in a fight with your kids? I don't give a shit about that. That has nothing to do with me. I'm not your whipping post. Don't do it. And, and that's why I would, I would bring it to the forefront. I really, really would. Because once you do that, guess what? They're going to earn a shit ton of respect for you as a human being. Not even a nurse practitioner, just as a human being. Oh, wait, this person has a spine. I can't push them around. All right, I'm good with that. And they'll never do it again. And if they do it again, then you call your HR people and you, and you say, you know what? The next time you do this, you tell the guy or girl, it doesn't matter. The next time you act this way to me, I promise to you right now, I promise you, you will be called into HR for a hearing because you are not allowed to treat anyone with disrespect regardless of who they are period and if he's the owner of the, the company you're kind of screwed right or she's the owner of the company you're kind of screwed but if it really matters to you then you know if it becomes sexual in nature if it's a hostile work environment you document 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 in Ohio I've actually done this in Ohio it is permissible, and I don't know every state, so you need to check up on the laws of this, for you to record another party if one party has knowledge that the recording is occurring. So, like, I can call somebody on the phone and record that conversation. Because there's an expectation, you know, I, I fully knew that it was going to be recorded. The other person should know if I say something to another party, then it should be open knowledge. Now, there's other jurisdictions I do know that don't allow that. You're not allowed to do it. But in Ohio, you are. So, I would say, check your laws. If somebody's being hostile to you, you get it on tape, <laughs> if if it's permissible, because it might not be admissible in court. So if it's not admissible in court, if it's hearsay, then you might you might get screwed. You might not be able to do that. But you know, in Ohio, you are allowed to do that. I had one guy; he was an engineering manager, and he was a real schmuck to me, and he was always a schmuck to me. So I told him, you know what? I'm going to put a tape recorder. I, I never did it, but I told him I was going to do it. I put a tape recorder. This is back when tape recorders were still around, right? You can tell how old I am. I put a tape recorder on my desk. And I put a tape in it. And every time he would come over, I would press record on it. But I never really recorded anything. He just thought I did. I didn't have batteries in it. And um, and so he would never, he quit being a schmuck to me. <laughs> it was amazing what that does to people. Now, that would be lawful, right? I mean, if you say, here, I'm going to record this just for so we can keep track of it. Now both parties have knowledge. That's admissible. <laughs> so... You know, not to be a schmuck. You can get yourself in trouble doing that politically. If you if you don't want to be the jerk in the office, and you certainly don't want to be known as that person in, in your community. But if somebody's being passive-aggressive to you, you need to find out what it is. Is it you? Maybe you are messing up. I don't know. Is it just them having a bad day, and, and you're the one that's closest to that point in time? And if that's the case, they need to change that. They need to stop that behavior. It's unacceptable. That's my philosophy on it. But I never really had it with, with a physician as an NP. Not yet. I'm still too new. 
I've had uh, radiology call me up and kind of say, well, you need to check with your doctor. And I said, nope, you don't understand. I'm the equivalent of the doctor. So here you get the uh, you get the order for me, and I want that image or that procedure. That's what I need. I ask for it. It's correctly spelled out in there. Please do what I ask. Let me worry about it later. If it's not right, right? Okay, I know they need to get paid. I you know whatever, but and they'll clarify the diagnosis if they have a question. But you know, it's it just it, it's you know that attitude is you know put me off. I'm like really, so that's where you're going with us already, huh? Okay, so you obviously don't understand what we're doing here. <laughs> and so you know, if I was in face to face, I would do my education thing that I talk about in the past. I would do that, sit down and say, hey, look, you know, this is what we do. This is our training. Here's where we, you know, we're certified. You know, it's not just an RN that can write a couple meds. We we do a lot more than that. And I don't mean to be derogatory. It's not just an RN. RNs, it's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. So I, I'm not saying it's just an RN. Okay? So don't give me hate mail on that. I, you know, you guys are you guys are awesome too because I am one of them. That's right. All right. So I had a couple more questions and comments, but I'm just rambling and having a good time. It is a Friday, right? It's sunny out right now. It's a solid 17 degrees. The birds are chirping. It's kind of almost spring. I think the birds are still frozen to the tree, though. That's the problem. But it is beautiful. So enjoy the weekend, guys. Have a wonderful time. Don't forget to like and share the page as much as possible. Ooh, I'm going really fast. And there's a cop. And, um... Oh, good. He turned the other way. Yay! And, um... Hopefully he's not going to turn around. Sorry. A little delayed here. Worried about getting pulled over. Um... But like and share the show as much as possible, guys. I really appreciate it. We're almost at that 500 mark, and then we're going to push for 1,000. We'll see what we can do. Uh, you guys listen on iTunes, and, and let me know if you guys see any glitches on there. And I appreciate the heads up on that. And uh, have a great day, and we'll talk soon.